Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Marty, pastor to the Grace Adventist Center and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in Adelaide. And I'm joined by Pastor Gary... Gary, what a cracker of a week it's been so far. Is is this normal for Adelaide winters? Uh, look, this is absolutely marvellous. You get these uh, these uh, weeks where you just simply uh, say, where has winter gone? Uh, summer is coming back again. <laughs> uh, but be assured, things will change. Oh, look, uh, I'm starting to get that feeling. You know, even during autumn, we there were these cracker weeks and sometimes yeah, they would yeah. just come through and just be like, wow, this is balmy, this is beautiful. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, yeah, a week later, you know, the, the cold Arct- Antarctic wind would blow up from the south and, the, and, and they uh, are Antarctic <laughs> winds too <laughs> and you'd have a whole change but hey it's a blessing to to be here and uh, you know friends this week we are following an important theme that I want to get to into very quickly we're actually looking at radical teachings of in the parables of Jesus and um, and so we're going to be looking at a very interesting parable, one of the most powerful, I believe, parables that Jesus told, a remarkable story. And um, but before we get to that, for our World Watch segment today, I've I've picked up an article that uh, was actually given to me or was referred to me by a doctor by the name of Doctor Paul Wood back when I was in Kempsey, and um, this is a very interesting article. It's called Death. Rests a while, holy day and Sabbath effects on Jewish mortality in Israel. And I just want to read to you some of, some of this article. Here's, uh, it says the assumption of an association between religion, religiosity and well-being is as old as social philosophy. Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee forever, when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. That's from Deuteronomy 12.28. And so the article goes on then to explore the relationship between Sabbath keeping and mortality rates in the Jewish population in Israel. And it comes with this amazing Conclusion. It says, for all men and for younger women ages 35 to 74, there was a clear and significant dip peak pattern in the number of deaths around the Sabbath on Saturday, but no consistent deep dip peak pattern around other holy days. This pattern was found for all causes of death, particularly uh, sebriovascular causes, so heart disease, things like that, was stronger for men than for women and was not found among Jewish children or among the non-Jewish population. So it's absolutely fascinating that if you are a Jew and you live in Israel, it's the day when you're least likely to die is on Sabbath, on Saturday. This is a fascinating observation. They even found that, so in other words, when they talk about other holy days, there's days like Yom Kippur, Passover, these other holy days during the year that are also counted as Sabbaths, Mm. but they could fall on any day of the week. But they found that this pattern of lower mortality rates 
didn't actually take place on those other holy days of the week. Oh. It only happened on the seventh day Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. There was a dip in mortality rates. Now, you know, is this just coincidence, Pastor Gary, or, or is this something that is, uh, is, is there something more to this? Yeah, yeah. You're asking a, a non-medico, a medico question, and you're hoping for an intelligent <laughs> answer. Uh, Marty, look, uh, one of the things that I suppose I'm just so, so conscious of is that uh, increasingly the thing that uh, is being identified as a real killer through our society is this thing called stress. And, you know, I just, I just look at it and to me, one of the things I really appreciate is a Sabbath day. And this is the thing I love about the Sabbath. You know, sometimes people say, uh, look, you know, I mean, uh, Sabbath is such a works orientated thing. And I, my response to them is quite simple. Hey, if this is works oriented, uh, please bring it on, bring it on because, hey, I love, uh, my, my ability, you know, to actually have a Sabbath day where I can slow down. I can de-stress. Uh, I can actually spend Absolutely. time in communing with my God. And people, actually, in fact, somebody asked me just this last uh, just just this last Sabbath. They said, Pastor Gary, how do you uh, go and celebrate uh, a Sabbath? We've got a number of people that come from a a, a non-Adventist uh, background coming to our our church, and uh, that was the question that came to me. And I just shared with them. I said, Look, the Sabbath is something where I'm called to have a relationship with God. And I'm called to have a relationship with others, my family and my social circle. That's what the Sabbath is all about. And, you know, to me, as I look at that, I turn around and say, hey, this has got a huge potential, I know, in in my life. Because, uh, you know, for a day a week, I can slow down. I can stop. Uh, I can just spend time in, in worship. I don't have to go to the shops. And I don't go to the shops. You know, I can turn off the uh, the idiot box uh, and you know <laughs> yeah it's amazing how just turning off the and I shouldn't I suppose call it the idiot box but that's what my parents <laughs> used to call it you know it, 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 turn that off and it's amazing how you're actually able to de-stress. You know, I, I find I get the same effect myself in my morning worship time. You know, I love being able to come aside. And, and yeah, I'm a morning person. I know not everyone's a morning person. I'm a morning person. I can get up and I'm bouncing. Uh, but uh, at uh, at nine o'clock at night, I'm absolutely useless. But at nine, at early in the morning, I'm bouncing. And uh, I just yeah. find that being able to slow down for an hour, do some reading, spend some time in prayer, uh, I just find just so absolutely rewarding. Yeah, you know, I think there's an increasing uh, body of research that's kind of looking at these kinds of trends. I'm aware of, you know, the Blue Zones, um, Dan Butte and I, and he discovered that, uh, you know, among Seventh-day Adventists in California, they found they were living, I think, on average four to seven years longer, or maybe it was seven to ten years, I can't remember exactly, yeah, yeah. but considerably longer than the average population. And of course, he highlighted Sabbath as one of those key, I suppose, um, factors that was adding to longevity. And it's interesting that the authors of this particular study based in Israel actually made this uh, interesting point. It says, we have argued that this special nature, in other words, why do people 
are less likely to die uh-huh. on, on Sabbath in Israel. That's among Jews. Yeah. It only yeah. works for those who actually keep Sabbath, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it says, we have argued that this special nature derives not from what the Sabbath is not, a work day, but from what the, from what it is, a day of social gathering and family solidarity. Mm-hmm. In this respect, it would be incre- it would be interesting to see an analysis of the church attendance data on a household level. It goes on, but I thought that was interesting. They're saying that it's not so much that the health value benefits are not so much about what the Sabbath is not, but about what it is—a day of yeah. relationships, a day of, like you're saying, Pastor Gary, a day to de-stress, a day to actually. Uh, Get our priorities in order to actually connect with each other without having to rush through life. And, yeah. I, and I'm always thinking about, you know, um, the fact that we live in such a busy society where our, we're so performance oriented. Um, we value, uh, doing a lot of things. Yeah. But there's people who are doing a lot of things, but it's not necessarily you know, and you know the, the yeah, interesting yeah. transition that I've certainly noticed is certainly uh, some some decades back, uh, even uh, people who kept Sunday uh, certainly did keep Sunday as a Sabbath. Uh, you know, it would be a day of fam- that was the day. Where did the concept of having the uh, the, the Sunday dinner uh, come from? Well, it came from uh, this being able to come together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so even uh, you know those who those who chose to keep keep Sunday. Uh, Used to keep it uh, very much as a Sabbath, but that concept now, uh, now uh, if you happen to be uh, attending church, you attend church for uh, maybe one hour uh, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. uh, in the entire week, and then you pack up and you're you're back into the workday this is, this world. This is the challenge. I think, you're, like you're saying, you're alluding to the fact that even many Christians have become too busy in life and perhaps even too busy for God himself. You know, I, I think it's interesting when you think about the essence of what God actually asks us to do in the Sabbath, but also in all the scriptures. When God asks us to do something, we, we should ask ourselves the question, why does God ask us to do it? Yeah. Why yeah. does God ask us to do it? I love this text here in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And uh, it's actually in verse 20. Hold on a second. Oh, actually, it's chapter 5 and verse 29. And it says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me, in other words, respect me, and always keep all of my commandments. Why? Mm. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. Yeah. Yeah. So God actually wants the best for us. And I think this study simply is is a is as a great way of showing that when you actually follow what God wants, when you actually follow what God uh, has asked you to do, you benefit. Exactly. You're the one exactly. who gets blessed. You're yes. the one who lives longer and 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 has lower risk of dying, etc. You are the one who benefits when you follow what God you know, wants. It actually explains why King David, in when he's writing Psalm 19, you know, I mean, he, he's sitting there and he's talking about the law of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord, uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired than, are they than gold. Sweeter also than honey. Yeah. And the honey, you yeah. Know, this guy is writing a love song 
to the law. Now, to me, why would a king of all Israel be writing a love song uh, to what is the uh, the law of uh, the law of God? Well, of course, you see so much benefit in it. Absolutely. And you know, we live in a world today where you know, I mean, hey, you know, if you happen to to, to talk law, well, that's actually legalism. Where, in actual fact, you turn around, you pick up the the entire law of God, and you say, hey, look, you know, there's so much in the law of God that actually instructs us as to how we have, I mean, goodness me, that law, you know, says thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, I've had in my ministries time after time after time I've had to work and minister to people or families whose one partner has been involved in a uh, in an adulterous type uh, situation and they say, hey, well, that's their, that's right, that's their right, Pastor. Yeah, it is their right. Okay, that's, you know, that's the, that's the individualistic world we live in. Meanwhile, uh, mm, the, uh, mm. the other partner uh, is totally decimated. Meanwhile, while the children are destroyed. Uh, meanwhile, the relationship that's is right. killed. That's right. And, you know, hey, do these people matter? No, they don't matter because my individual rights are, you know, to me, as I look at this as a pastor, I turn around and say, hey, is the law of the Lord good? Of course it is good. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, oh, like I'm, a I'm guard, like, oh. it's like a guardrail for life, isn't it? It you is. Know, it is. If you, if you don't have boundaries, if you don't have guardrails, you, you could easily slip off the edge and fall into all sorts of, sorts of issues. Yeah. The Sabbath is there exactly. to protect us because the exactly. very first word of the Sabbath commandment says, remember. remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God knew that we were prone to forget. And I, yeah. I was actually actually working with some young people. We're actually preparing a uh, a, a, a message that these young people are going to preach up at Sterling Church, Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'm really excited about it. We're actually going to do a, a, a sermon on the Sabbath. Yeah. And as we were talking through it, this this phrase came to mind. If you remember to keep the Sabbath, you'll mm. never forget God. If you remember to keep the Sabbath, you'll never forget God. Hey, that's that's so true. Because the Sabbath is there as a weekly reminder of our relationship mm. with God. It's there as a weekly reminder that we didn't just, we're not just here by chance, but that God created us. Indeed. That we have value, that we have purpose in life. And if you get a weekly reminder of that, that's a pretty yeah, powerful yeah, impact yeah, yeah. on your mental health, on your physical health, and on your entire outlook It actually on life. puts God in the right spot. What you're saying is that in the big wide world that I, that I live in, the consumerism is not number one in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, I actually serve a God and God comes before consumerism. You know, if in fact mm. uh, a person uh, says, hey, look, I can't afford the time, uh, well, can I suggest uh, what, what the person's actually saying is that, uh, you know, my God is consumerism. Mm. And that's mm. the world which we're actually living in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is so true. And and once again, I just want to come back to this point that God is actually wanting us to benefit. And the amazing thing is, like, there's a, there's a proverb in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in chapter 10. I think it's mm. about verse mm. 10. Mm. And it says, um, basically, you know, if you just keep swinging the axe, you're going to get tired. But it says, he who has wisdom sharpens the axe. Exactly. 
Exactly. He who has wisdom actually takes a break to sharpen the axe, and then when they go back to work, they're more efficient. Yeah. They yeah. make better decisions. And look, so this is so true because I know that during my uh, my university days, you know, I mean, I was actually one of those people who, you know, I, I was uh, I followed Sabbath, you know, and all uh, so many of my uh, of my mates were were quite happy. You know, I, I see it even today to say, look, you know, I'm going to slave at the books seven days a week, and uh, I come along and I say. Well, actually, I'm taking a day off. They look at me as though I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me. But, you know, my grades never suffered. You know, I, I still was I don't. Th- I think they would have been even better off because I think the same thing when I reflect back on high school. Mm. You know, you'd, you'd have a test or something on Monday or even your HSC exams on a Monday. But, hey, come Sabbath... I had a full 24-hour yeah. time off, guilt-free yeah, exactly. time off. My mind was able to be refreshed, and I and I am totally convinced that that's what actually, in some ways, gave me an edge yeah. when it came yeah. to yeah. actually Agreed, sitting totally. that sitting that uh, exam. You were calm. You're able to think clearly, and um, yeah, absolutely. God wants to bless us. He wants to benefit our lives, friends. We're going to come to some music. Um, this is a powerful song actually it's called remember me and i just know that you're going to be blessed as you listen to this song Remember 
me When the children leave their Sunday school with smiles Remember me When they're old enough to teach Old enough to preach Old enough to think And age to age And heart to song remember me and uh welcome back it's uh faith fm that you're listening to this is drive time big q a with pastor marty pastor gary this week we are following the theme radical teachings in the parables of jesus today we're actually going to be looking at the parable of a hurting god and um it's actually the parable of the prodigal son before we come to that specific parable we do have a free giveaway today that i want to encourage you if you're listening today to grab this free giveaway it's a decent sized book pastor gary it's called searching for a god to love by chris blake and uh, here's a little description of the book searching for a god to love is a much anticipated sharing book and so this is a book that uh, you could either share with someone that you know or in, in fact you could you could pick it up for yourself to read and uh, and be drawn closer to God as a result. Some questions. Do you have questions? Do you have doubts? Have you been hurt? Are you aching for something more? Searching for a God to love reaches out to those seeking a new understanding of God. Apart from preconception, institutionalized religion, or prepackaged agenda. Throughout the book, Chris Blake divides the mystery surrounding who God is and reveals the powerful, infinite, and loving relationship God seeks to have with mere mortals. With chapter titles such as Beyond Mother Nature and The World Greatest Lover, Searching for a God to love offers a fresh perspective for those seeking a God in whom they can believe. Once again, this is a powerful book. It's a, it's a larger book. It digs into this question of who really is God and how can I have a relationship with Him? So if you want to get a free copy of this book, all you've got to do is text our studio number. Our studio number is 04888 one more time, uh, uh, the studio number 04888808811. And if you want that book, A Searching for a God to Love by Chris Blake, send us the code SA122. So five digits, SA122. 
2. Send that again to 04888-80811 and you will get a free copy of Searching for a God to Love. You will actually get a response immediately from our Faith FM bot who will ask you a couple of questions so that we can get you that book as soon as possible. Pastor Gary, uh, we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son, and I see you've got your Bible open there, and uh, what a powerful parable this is. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Marty. Uh, do you know one of the um, one of the things that I'm so conscious of? I, I love actually uh, just reading through the the Gospels and the, the teachings of Christ. There are two things that Christ knew how to do in a, a quintessential, in a beautiful, uh, in an amazing way. Do you know when he shares? In fact, sometimes people ask me. They say, "Look, you know, how can I share uh, to touch the life of somebody else?" Now, if you happen to be a Believer, and I know some of our some of our listeners aren't, but if you happen to be a believer and you want to share with someone, can I suggest that you know this example of Christ is just so powerful? Uh, Jesus did two things. The first thing he did was asked questions, and sometimes I, I actually say to people, you know, if they're wanting to know how can I actually share with somebody, to me, my response is often, please learn how to simply ask good questions because you don't have to provide an answer to everybody that's what Jesus was able to do but the other thing he was able to do was tell stories Jesus was Mm. constantly asking questions and telling stories and as a result the people even his enemies knew exactly what he was talking about uh, but uh, sometimes they didn't like it but he was unable to be it wasn't confusing theology you know so much about what Christ taught uh, is it's recorded that uh, he taught as one having authority Uh, he didn't just simply teach uh, as somebody who uh, who really uh, um, uh, just hypothesized about the about the things of God. What he does on this particular occasion is tells a parable uh, that, to me, I believe is actually a really sad parable. It's sad because of what occurs to a father. It's sad because of what happens to a son. It's uh, it's it, it's sad because of what happens to a second son. This is an incredibly sad parable, and yet the story actually gives a share something that needs to be shared. You know, in, in my ministry, uh, Marty, one of the things that I'm just so conscious of is that uh, repetitiously, I've uh, I've become acquainted with people who have have chosen to move away from Christ. And you know, it's a problem in yeah. our day. Yeah. You know, at, at ministers' meetings, and you would have been to these ministers' meetings. This is one of the issues that is discussed repetitiously. You know, how is it that we're able to um, we're able to you know stop the the moving away from the church? Often what happens mm. is, is, is a young person might go through uh, even a, uh, a church-based uh, high school, uh, they'll go on to, to university, and then in their university years they'll turn around and they'll, uh, they'll move away from the God of their, uh, the God of their fathers. Now, um, this, this parable is actually told by Christ to that, to that person, and I'm really conscious that we will probably have people listening today that uh, that will that may not be as close to God as when they grew up. And to me, mm-hmm. this power. But let me just read you this uh, this parable uh, because I think uh, I think it's important that we understand the story. It's a it's a number of verses long, uh, but. Uh, 
please, uh, please stay, stay with us because the, what's in it, uh, is enough to change, change hearts and, and minds. That's why Jesus told this parable. Uh, and, uh, it's actually found in, in Luke, uh, chapter, uh, 15. It actually commences at verse 11. And, uh, this is Jesus speaking. And I want you to imagine that you are, you are sitting with, uh, with Jesus. And, and this is the, the story that he says. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that's going to fall to me. So the father divided them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered everything together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent it all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to into his field uh, to feed pigs. And he would great, and he would have greatly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. But when then he came to himself, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and even bread to spare?" And I'm perishing here in a far country with hunger. I'll arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this son of mine was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost but now he's been found and they began to be merry. Now the older son was in the fields and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked what are these things meaning and he said to him your brother has come and because he's received him safe and sound your father has killed the fatted calf but that son was angry he would not go in Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed you at any commandment at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, uh, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Do you know, Marty, that to me is an incredibly powerful story. Mm, absolutely. Uh, this is something where, you know, I just imagine Jesus just sitting, uh, sharing this with the population. Uh, they know, mm-hmm. you see, their families had very much the same issues as what we've got today. Yeah, we've got maybe the media issues and we, we've got some, some big issues here. But do you know, uh, in, in Christ's day, uh, family was all essential. And here we find 
a division within the family. You know, it, Christ is talking about something that was true in his day, and it's also true mm-hmm. in our day. Mm-hmm. Now, look, uh, to me, there's just a, a few things I, I want to pick up on that story because I think they they say so much. Christ is saying so much uh, to uh, to us. You know, the very first thing that this uh, just says to me is that even Christians can cause their own problems. You know, if you think mm. about, if you mm. think about mm. this one, uh, Marty, uh, this is a really mm. a key issue. Here we've mm-hmm. got a son. He, he he's grown up in a loving home. He's grown up in a home that has plenty. He's grown up in a home uh, that uh, with a faithful father, with a loving father, with a loving mo- mother. That's the home that he has lived in, mm-hmm. like grown mm-hmm. up in, and yet through his actions. He's actually created a huge problem for himself, his family, his brother, mm-hmm. his father. You know, his entire family goes, I, I suggest to you, into uproar because of the decision of this son. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Marty, you know, uh, have you ever had somebody say to you, hey, look, you know, why did God allow this problem? Have you ever had had someone ask that question? Absolutely, that comes up. Uh, that comes up all the time because, and it's a very f- and it's a very good question. Uh, what, uh, you know, as in, why did God allow this? And in, in other words, if someone's genuinely trying to make sense of the problem of evil and the problem of suffering and these kinds of things, it's a good question. But like the Father, God gave gives us free will. I'm sure the Father. Knew he said he he could see that his son was going to go down a path of misery and 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 destruction, but the father gave the son uh, what he asked for. Yeah, the the father actually gave free will. God also gave free will um, to to the angels. He's given free will to us. And, uh, and, and certainly the, the door that opened up evil into our world is a door that God never wanted us to open. Yeah, but. There is, if, if, because God is a God of love, He also gives us the freedom to choose. And look, this is, this to me, what you've just said, I think is just so important because, Marty, the thing that I'm conscious of is that there's a lot of what I would call the blame game going on out there. And, uh, it's, it's so easy to actually blame God for the situation that I'm in. And, you know, I, I look at it, you know, why did the Lord allow this? Why did he allow it? Because our God is not the God who is going to force your will. And, you know, to me, it's when we actually realize that we understand the type of God that we're actually serving. And we're going to come to that in a moment as well. I mean, hey, what would it say to you if, uh, you know, you as a parent, I mean, you have, you have small children at the, at the present time. If in fact, uh, you, uh, as they grow, you simply said to them, hey, uh, this is the decision that you must make. What are you saying to them? You're, you're saying, hey, I don't trust them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, I think it's interesting because a lot of people also ask that, you know, if, if God knew ahead of time that, that all this evil and all this suffering was going to come upon us, why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he stop it from happening? And I suppose as I think about this parable, I'm sure that the father had foresight enough to know that the son's decision was also going to bring misery and heartache to him. But there's a, there's a phrase that, uh, 
that I think of whenever somebody asks this question. And it is simply this. What God foreknows is not what he foreshows. God knows the future. God knows all things. God knew that that uh, that that uh, uh, an angel named Lucifer would rebel. He knew that Adam and Eve would fall for for the for the devil's deceptions. He knew that sin would enter our world, mm. but that doesn't mean that God ordained for that to happen. Yeah. God knew it would happen, but He didn't ordain for it to happen. God, what God foreknows is not what He foreshows. The fact that there is actually, you know, the fact that we have separated ourselves from God in some ways, is, is very much proof the fact that God does give us freedom to cho- choose. Yeah. He hasn't just pre-programmed us so that um, we will always automatically do what is always right, but he actually gives us the freedom to choose. Yeah, yeah. And, and to me, this is the... And that comes with risk, I should just it, add to it that. It does come, come with risk. And, and the reality is it says to me a lot about the character of my God. Uh, you know... If, in fact, my God was a God who was going to force the human will, you know, I mean, giving free choice uh, to my children also implies that they may, it also allows them to make the wrong choice. Mm, mm, It does. And and, and that means that with you and me, uh, God has given us this beautiful thing called freedom of choice. But if you have freedom of choice, you have to be free to be able to make the wrong choice. Mm, So many times mm, people have said mm. to me, you know, why do we have this pain and suffering? Suffering and evil, you know, did God ordain this? No, he didn't, but he did give you freedom of choice. Mm. He did give mm. you freedom of choice, and if humanity has chosen the wrong way, mm-hmm. then uh, that is something that the father, as well as the children, are forced to deal with. And, you know, the yeah, beautiful, that's right. that's the beautiful right. thing in the salvation story is what you find is we have a father who pursued us, Uh, which actually brings me to my second point, and that is that this parable talks about a God who pursues his son. Yeah, I love it. I love it, Gary. You know, it, it is, it is a beautiful picture. It is a beautiful picture. I remember sharing, um, this particular story with, uh, with a group at uh, Newcastle University. And yeah. this is a few years ago now, Pastor Gary. But I remember there was a young, uh, young, young man from China and, uh, he'd never heard this story before. This yeah. is the first yeah. time he'd ever heard yeah. this story. And yeah. we asked him the question, what did you like most about this story? Yeah. And he simply said, I love the father. Yeah. I love the father. Yeah. Yeah. Because this father is is so different unfortunately to to many earthly fathers. Yeah. Many earthly fathers, you know, they will they will uh love in quotes uh their children based on their performance, based yeah. on what they do, but here's a father who loves his son even though he has brought shame upon the family. And, and you know, the reason this is so important is that I'm, I'm conscious that in all probability today, you know, there'll be somebody, you know, who will be hearing our, our little program today, uh, who will remember, hearken back to the, to the days when they grew up maybe with, you know, maybe not with a mum and a dad, um, mm, but mm, maybe mum mm. did as best for them. As they possibly could do, uh, mm-hmm. you know, brought them up to uh, maybe uh, be involved in in church life. Uh, talk to them about the importance of uh, you know uh, of uh, of Christian belief and of biblical belief in mm-hmm. their life. But mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe they went off to you know a university type setting. They got themselves uh, into into a work environment. Uh, maybe they they married someone that uh, hey you know didn't didn't support the same the same values. Sure. 
and as a result, they've moved a long way from from yeah. Christ. Yeah. Uh, and yet, uh, and, and you know, so it's so easy to actually blame yourself uh, at this point, and you know, have. Do people make bad decisions? Yes, they do. Uh, have I made bad decisions? Yeah. Yes, I have. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we have, we all have. We're made, and yet here is a story of a father that says, hey, look, you may be in yeah. a far, far country, but even though you're in the far country, I'm still there, I'm waiting, I'm just waiting for you to turn around. Mm. The very moment mm. this, you know, I mean, uh, this uh, this young man is in the, uh, well, for, for a Jew, the absolute worst. This is the absolute pits. I mean, for a Jew to be sitting in a pig's pen. I mm-hmm. mean, the, mm-hmm. you don't. You know, this is this is anathema. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet he turns around from that point. He wanders home. He's got his speech already, but with that speech being ready, he doesn't even get opportunity to give the full speech uh, because his yeah. father is prepared to restore him. Yeah. Uh, to me, I love what's actually going on here. It is. It is beautiful, and and one thing that comes to mind, Pastor Gary, is perhaps one of the reasons why the son actually left home initially is because maybe he felt a bit restricted, maybe he felt that uh, his father's rules were a bit tough, and uh, and he wanted freedom. He wanted to experience uh, life outside of those boundaries, and I think that's true for for a lot of for a lot of people when they grow up in a church, for example, they may feel as if it's boring. It's it's you know it's not as fun, and that uh, parents or maybe even God Himself is a bit restrictive. Yeah. However, it's interesting that the son, when he is in that moment of of great distress, he thinks about his dad. Yeah, and he thinks about how well off his father's servants are, and perhaps the very fact that the father gave him freedom to to leave home in the beginning and take his inheritance. Perhaps the fact that the father gave him that freedom was actually part of the reason that he felt that he should return because he had in deep and deep down in his heart he 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 had an understanding of his father's love although his understanding was not complete yeah yeah that's actually the thing i love about this story yeah i love the fact that here is a young man who decides to turn back to god or back to his father which represents someone turning back to god and yet his picture of his father isn't even complete mm. in other words he's only seeing this small slither of his father's love when in fact the love is even so much bigger than yeah. that and he yeah. experiences that love when he returns back and when he's being used in the world, and we're going to come to this in a moment, when he's being used in the world, that is when he turns around. When he suddenly comes to the realisation that, you know, hey, I'm being used and abused yeah, out here. Yeah. Uh, and home is really something quite special. Yeah. Uh, you know, The world at, doesn't care. At some point. But we're going to come to this in just a moment. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As in, you want to, do you want to come to some music? Is that what you're hinting at, Pastor Gary? I don't want to start another point. <laughs> okay, let's come to some music, and then we're going to come to a next point. And I hope you enjoy this song. It's a really simple one, but it's beautiful. Steadfast love of the Lord. Love of the Lord 
So simple and yet so powerful that God's love never changes. It's steadfast. His mercies are new every morning. And, and friends, perhaps today you are sensing that you want to experience this kind of a relationship with God. You you want your eyes to be open to see God in a fresh and a new way. You want to understand the depths of God's love because you recognize that that could in fact be something that will change your life for the better and fill you with with peace and with joy and uh, there's a book that uh, we are highly recommending today it's called Searching for a God to Love by Chris Blake it's a powerful book that deals with this whole idea of actually coming to know God a God who loves us unconditionally a God who forgives a God who gives us freedom but who is there even if we fall and uh, this is a quite a this is a decent book this is not a this is not a what i could say a um this is certainly not a small book it's not a cheap book this is a valuable book it's called again searching for a god to love if you would like a free copy of this book all you've got to do is text us our studio number is 04 once again our studio number 04 triple eight eight oh eight eleven send us the code s a one two two just five digits s a one two two and you will get a free copy of this book searching for a god to love you'll get a response from our faith fm bot who will ask you some questions so that we can get you this book as soon as possible can i just once again really encourage you if you are if you are searching for God, if you are wanting to have a personal relationship with God, perhaps you've wandered away from God, perhaps you grew up in church and, and you're sensing God calling you back, don't hesitate to, to send us a text. SA122. Send that code to 04888808811. Pastor Gary, it's great to be back. Um, this is, yeah, Faith FM, uh, drive time for those who are listening. And, uh, we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son, one of the most powerful stories which Jesus told. And Pastor Gary, you're about to unpack another point that emerges from this story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, look, Marty, uh, to me, um, just a, another point that comes out of this. This parable is just, is just so powerful. Uh, and that is that, uh, the, all that is in the world ultimately doesn't satisfy. 
you know, I'm I'm just so conscious of the number of people that I've uh, I've certainly seen uh, move away from from Christ, and and ultimately, uh, so often uh, when those those same people, maybe they've got children. Uh, maybe they're uh, they're looking back on their life. Maybe they get to their senior years, but so often uh, the desire is there. Hey, I need to go back uh, to those principles, to those foundations that I was uh, that I had that I had adopted uh, when I was just a little tacker. Uh, because somehow this this view has come through that you know I mean they've come to realise that the world doesn't satisfy you. Know, to me, one of the books of the Bible that every now and then I love to sit down and read is actually the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm, now, this mm. is not one that, you know, I mean, people generally pick up. But look, folks, if you, uh, I would encourage you, you know, if you've never read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's Psalms, Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes. You actually, uh, it's, it's one of the books of, it's written by King Solomon. King Solomon, of course, uh, wrote the majority of the, uh, of the book of uh, of Proverbs, but he also wrote Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes, of course, uh, is a book that uh, it starts off with that famous verse, "Vanity of vanities, all is vanity." Of course, Solomon is listed as probably the the wisest man that he was certainly given the gift. He was known for his his wisdom. His first verse in that uh, book of "Vanity of vanities, all is vanity." You see, uh, Marty, what actually took place was that in the life of uh, King Solomon, he started off uh, as is as a dedicated king mm-hmm. committed to uh, to the Lord God but then as his life progressed he started to move away from the things of the things of uh, of God in fact I think the record says that he had over 500 wives and to me mm-hmm. I've got I've got to admit mm-hmm. you know, hey look you know at some point I think his wisdom actually departed from him mm-hmm. but you know mm-hmm. he has all these wives he says I try building a uh, huge huge monuments I had building enterprises I had male and female servants I, I had all these riches flowing into me he tells his story the book of Ecclesiastes is the story of King Solomon written by yeah. King Sol- yeah. Solomon he starts as a as a man that is dedicated and committed he goes away from God in much the same way that the prodigal son uh, goes away mm-hmm. from uh, mm-hmm. uh, from God but then at the end of his life Life, he comes back to God again. Mm-hmm. He actually does the same thing. Yeah. That yeah, uh, you know, I mean, to me, this is a powerful story. I mean, you'd be familiar it is, with it. It is absolutely like you're saying. King Solomon had everything. He 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 says, "I denied myself no pleasure, no pleasure. There was no nothing that uh, that Solomon actually denied himself, and yet he said it was all vanity. It was just it was meaningless." Yeah. And I suppose that that's exactly what this younger man experienced as well. Yeah. He came to the place where he had, he had experienced the thrills, he'd experienced all the, all the highs, all, all that, all that, um, you know, all that relationships, all that, uh, drugs, all that, everything that was available at that time, I'm sure that he got his hands on it. Yeah. He experienced it and he realized he's empty. Exactly. He's empty without God. Yeah. yeah. And he, and he, and he longs to go home and, and, and be back. 
with his father. Yeah, uh, and look, um, to me, that example of, of King Solomon, to me, is just so powerful. And look, it, this is only a dozen chapters long, but I would encourage you, you know, if you just want a, something that will provoke your, your thinking processes, the book of Ecclesiastes is well worth a read. Pastor Gary, can I, I want to jump in because yeah. uh, there's, there's, there's a point that, that when, I ever, when I read this particular parable, it really stands out to me. And that is that the father is is overjoyed to see the son. And um, the question is, wh- why? Why is the father so overjoyed to uh, to actually to have the son return? And, you know, the, the Bible actually records that he ran. Yeah. The father ran. And um, when we think of this and we say, well, why did the father run? Most people believe that it's because oh, the, the father was excited to see his son. He was happy to see his son. But I think there's something deeper than this because I underst- from my understanding of Middle Eastern culture, senior men do not run. That's right. That's right. They do not run because that is something that can actually bring shame upon their families. Right. Now, there's something that perhaps in, in our culture I don't fully understand, but in the Middle Eastern culture, that's how it is. In yeah. fact, I've even heard that in particular towns where there have been earthquakes, the only individuals who died were senior men who refused to run to protect themselves. Wow. So this is a big deal. The reason why the father runs to the son is because the son... Has a, has a death penalty hanging over him. He's brought shame to the family. He has, he has done the absolute, uh, he's, he's done the abominable by going and taking this inheritance mm. and spending it on all the worst things that you could yeah. imagine. And, and the people of this town, they know what he's done and everybody knows what he's done. And, and now he's coming home and, and he's got a death sentence hanging over his head. Yeah. Look, and that is so powerful what you've actually shared because uh, that's something that uh, I've, I've actually never thought about it that way, but that is actually very true. That is certainly, you know, within the Middle Eastern culture, certainly the the whole running experience is certainly something that a senior men would actually never, ever be involved with. So the father's running not just because he's overjoyed, he is overjoyed, but he is running to protect his son. Yeah. He puts the robe on his son as if to say he's covered. Yes. He's mine. Yes. He puts the ring on his hand, the sandal on his feet. This, these are acts of restoration to say... People, other people may look at you and they may disown you, but you're still mine. Yeah. And look, that message is something that I look at and I just simply say how applicable it is to us today. It is. You know, it is. I am very sure there'll be some who'll be listening to our little program and, and will be saying, hey, look, you know, that prodigal son. That's me. Mm. You know, it is. I, yeah. I, I'm the one who, you know, I, I knew all the right stuff, mm. but I've been an idiot. You know, I have been yeah. an idiot, you know. And, you know, it's it's when a person comes to that point of saying, hey, look, you know, I have been, I have made too many mistakes. It's time to return to the father that the father runs to them. Yeah, yeah that's right. You, you just know? turn one, yeah. you take one step to God and he runs to you. And, and I love this picture. I love this picture, Gary, and I love the fact that when the father meets with the son and the son begins his speech, yeah. Yeah. the father just cuts him short. It's interesting that there's, you know, the father doesn't reprimand the son. Yeah. The father doesn't say, look, here's the deal. If you if you go again, this is what's going to... There's no, there's no talk of reprimanding or punishment. 
And I think that that's because the the joy that the father's sadness in his heart has actually just turned to joy. Yeah. Yeah. Not because the son has made up for all the wrong things that he's done, yeah. but simply because he's returned, because the father's not so much interested in the son making up for all the things that he's done wrong in the past. He's just interested in that relationship being restored. Yeah. That's what yeah. God wants yeah. with each one of us. Yeah. And, yeah. and friends, as, as we, uh, we do have to come to a close today. Can I have prayer for, for maybe someone who might be, is, is that right? Please yeah. do. Father in heaven, Lord, I just want to come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you. For your incredible love. Lord, thank you for the way that you've shown that you're prepared to accept us. Lord, I, I thank you for this story. Lord, I just want to pray for any person right now who is, who is struggling in some way. They, they may have uh, grown up uh, in, a, in a Christian home. Uh, Lord, they may have wandered a long way from you. Uh, they may have uh, rejected uh, the principles of their youth. Uh, but Lord, I just pray that if there is someone who feels that they're sleeping uh, away too far from you and they want to return to that home, uh, that home that is your home, I pray that you might be with them. I pray that you might descend upon them. You might speak to them by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, that you mm. uh, might might convict them. Uh, and Lord, that you might accept them. I pray that you might give them peace. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Amen. Friends, it uh, has been an absolute joy to be able to um, share together today. And I, I just want to encourage you to uh, to join us again tomorrow. It's going to be. It looks like it's going to be. I'm going to be back with uh, Pastor David. We're going to be discussing a parable and a God who forgives. And I'd like to leave you with these words from God, who says in His Word to each one of us personally. He says to you and to me. He says, "For I know the plans that I have for you. What are God's plans for you? Plans to prosper you." and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. May you know and experience the plan, the wonderful plan that God has for your life. God bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.